0: Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnit.org.
1: So we're continuing in our in our stay of the course uh, series in 1st Timothy uh, and before we get into that I want to uh, also make mention for the teacher recognition next Sunday, we're going to we realize that teachers whether you're a public school or a private school or homeschool or you work uh, for a, a school or a school district, uh, you are launching into a nine-month missions program. Uh, and so we're going to pray over you as missionaries, uh, and we're going to bless you and... and uh call, you know, ask the Lord for, for wisdom, protection, grace. You don't need patience because you're teachers. Uh, just kidding. Uh, patience above and beyond. Uh, and then you will have a gift that day, but also, uh, there's going to be some, uh, some gift baskets that you can, you can win. And, uh, just so you know. Uh, the best gift buyer, best gift giver I've ever known, which is my mother-in-law, is putting those together. So um, number one, uh, you don't want to miss out on that. Uh, so get, get here, but then get anybody here that, that works with any, any, any school kid for the year in any capacity uh, so we can pray over and bless you uh, next Sunday. Um, and if you would this morning, you could turn to First Timothy chapter 4. We're going to walk through it in different chunks uh, this morning. Um, and so you can just keep your, keep your Bible at that place or, or pull it up on your app, um, and we're going to be walking through that in, in different sections uh, this morning. Basically, though, what Paul's telling us in that, in that chapter 4 is that life really is black and white. It is false and it is true. Uh, and that's what he, he kind of, he starts off with the false. Uh, we're calling today's sermon False and True. And typically when you take a quiz, it's a true and false quiz. Uh, Paul goes the other way because he wants to end with what is true about Jesus and about life in Jesus and about life of a church. Um, but, but, but he's saying that the life really is black and white. And so our big idea today is that there is a way not to live and, and how we as believers ought to live always led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of the living God who dwells in us as believers. That's how we're called to live, and that's the true. And then we need to not be afraid of, but be aware of what is false so we don't get sucked into it, uh, get get lazy into it, uh, just beca- get swept up into it. Uh, there's a lot of false that is easy to, to figure out. It's pretty blatant. It's the... It's the uh, the, the way that the enemy is sneaky and sly that we need to be aware of so that we don't uh, kind of morph into that. So in 1 Timothy 4, we see uh, the, the first seven verses is, he talks about false ways uh, and teachings not to live by, and then, and then really in verses uh, 8 through 16, as he wraps it up, he tells us what's true. He keeps us on track uh, on track for, for right living so that we stay the course. Because that's Paul's point to Timothy. He sent him there because they had gotten off course. They were living uh, just kind of weird and crazy. Not crazy like 1 Corinthians crazy church, but, but, but still just kind of just just really stupid and ignorant. And so he said, Timothy, you go get them on course, and then and this is how you stay on course, so that the, the most amount of people can get saved and so that those who follow Jesus can become more like him every day of their lives. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 says this, the Spirit makes it clear, and I'm reading from the message paraphrase today, the Spirit makes it clear that as time goes on, Some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions put forth by professional liars. So Paul's not really clear what he's talking about right there, right? I mean, (laughs) no, Paul didn't pull punches. I mean, demonic illusions put forth by professional liars. And he's not talking about pagans. He's talking about those who call themselves Christians because he's writing to the church in the church. He's saying the professional liars are coming to church with you. They are making these things up, and they, are, 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 they have illusions from the, the devil them, himself. That's what Paul says. It's like, that's, that's a heavy opening statement there in this chapter. These liars have lied so well and for so long that they've lost their capacity for truth. They do it without thinking. They have no conscience anymore is what he's saying. They will tell you not to get married. Now he's getting some specifics because this is happening there. They'll tell you not to get married. They'll tell you not to eat this food or that food. Perfectly good food God created to be eaten heartily and with thanksgiving by believers who know better. Everything God created is good and is to be received with thanks. Nothing to be sneered at or thrown out. God's word and our prayers make every item in creation holy. And all of us said, thank you for bacon. So, right? Uh, I always joke that God's gift to the Gentiles was bacon. Um but he's saying this, and it's not just that they were talking about pork. They were like making up all sorts of rules. Anything they could do to control someone, they were doing it, all under the name of Jesus. They were saying, "This is this is what this is what real Christianity is." Don't don't get married. Uh, don't don't eat that. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. F- but but certainly follow me. That's what they were saying there. So Paul here in these first five verses. He's really setting the stage for for what it means to have this faithful endurance of following Jesus because many will drift away to what is false. He says it there. He says very clearly, as time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions. Not Not just be like, find themselves there, chase after. But when we chase after, anybody here have toddlers and you're just chasing after them? You know, when they're running for the the outlet or they're running for the open door, they're running for the road, you're not like, well, I chase after them as slowly as I can. No, you chase. So he's saying not only are they going to choose false, but they're going to chase after it. Like it's going to come like this. And for, for those of us who have had our eyes open in the past year and a half of life in our culture, some of us are like, how in the world did... Did that church, did that person, did that friend of mine, did that? How did they get there that quickly to believe that this is right about Jesus? Because it can happen that quick. So we don't fear it, but we got to understand that this tells us what to do and the world does not. It just doesn't. It's, it's ignorant. It doesn't know truth. It can get things done, but it doesn't know truth about eternity and a life that we were created for. People were believing strange doctrines. They were following deceivers who were making stuff up about Christianity. Sayings uh, about Jesus, that there were lies. They they were actually making up doctrine and putting words into Jesus' mouth. Jesus did this, Jesus said this, Jesus said don't eat this. Like, Jesus never said that. Jesus never said don't get married. In fact, Jesus very clearly talked about what marriage is. Why in the world would my Savior who created the world tell us how great marriage is and what it is and then say, don't get married? Now, for, maybe for a person, that's their calling in life. Uh, we don't know. That's the that's life of that individual following Jesus. But they were making stuff up, just like people still do to this day. He was dealing with a real thing there. And we have to take it and apply it to principles here and go, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't ask us to do that. Those aren't. That's not in the gospel. That's what Paul's saying. It's false religion with legalism and control at its core. So Timothy and the church were to confront the false with the truth and right thinking. That's what Paul's saying here. So then going on to verse 6, verses 6 through 10, he says, "'You've been raised on the message of the faith and have followed sound teaching.'" Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there, and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Some versions say senseless traditions. They were going back to traditions and saying, this is what it's all about. And and most of those traditions were actually made up. They weren't even Old Testament traditions. So there's both made up traditions that they were saying, this is Jesus, which doesn't make them... Evil intrinsically, but it's like, that's still not Jesus. Just something you do, you know. Uh, It's like saying, hey, if you don't sit around the table and everybody put a napkin on your lap, you're not a real family. Well, in your family, that may be what you do. Good on you. That's a tradition. To say every family has to do this to be a real family would be a senseless tradition. And then there's also the senseless traditions of the Old Testament that he's saying... Hey, there, Jesus fulfilled these things. They meant something then, but now Jesus has fulfilled it, so you're not bound to that. If you do it, great, good, fine. If you, if you follow it and it's your God, no. Jesus fulfilled everything from the Old Testament. So that's what he's talking about here. And then he says, exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. So he's saying, he's mixing... He's mixing like, hey, here, in this section here, he's saying, this is happening, and this is what should be happening. This is unnecessary, and, and this is healthy. He's, he's blending, he's going from all false, what's happening, to, to now we're getting into what Paul's really calling us to, to live out here. He says that, that, that what, what matters most of all, because Paul is staying true to being Paul, what matters most of all is Jesus. That, that's what matters. Traditions and, and religious stuff and, and your do's and don'ts lists. That, that's not it. It's about, about Jesus. It's about being Jesus-focused and Jesus-centered. It's about becoming like Jesus. Paul does what Paul always does and gets back to Jesus as everything in our lives. Why we do anything is because of Jesus. Because he's the only message that changes lives. He's the only person that can transform someone. He's the only one that can change somebody's, somebody's eternity from hell to heaven. It's Jesus. Me eating or not eating pork does not change someone's eternity. Me telling them about Jesus just might, should they choose to follow him. All about Jesus stuff. That's what Paul's saying. Never again about the things that once, that once were. Never again about the things that that are about us. Because when I said yes to following Jesus, I said, I lay my life down and I follow you. I pick up your cause, Jesus. It's not Scott's cause anymore. And I had a cause. My cause was, listen to me. I'm right. You probably need me. And if you don't, well, then you're lost. It was all about Scott. And then I said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And he's like, you got to lay Scott down at the cross. He has to die so that I can resurrect the, the, the one that I've created you to be. And so I, as I become a new in Christ, a new creation in Christ, I become all about him alone. And so Paul's saying, you've got to let the stuff that once mattered to you go. And you've got to let the stuff go that that, this, that you, where you're trying to control people's lives. Talk about Jesus. From the false to the everlasting true is what he's talking about. There's a passage in... In Hebrews, and uh, most likely Paul wrote Hebrews. That's, that's, that's my belief, and it's the belief of a, a lot of a lot of scholars. It sounds a lot like Paul. Uh, and if it wasn't Paul, it's was probably somebody who he discipled. We don't know the exact author of Hebrews. But, but in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, the author, probably Paul, writes about living in a way that's pleasing to God. And listen to what he says here. Verses 1 through 9 of Hebrews 13. No matter what... Make room in your heart to love every believer and show hospitality to strangers, for they may be angels from God showing up as your guests. Identify with those who are in prison as though you were suffering there with them, and those who are mistreated as if you could feel their pain. He's saying, Others and what they're going through is what you need to care about, not yourself. Honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another. For God will judge sexual immorality in any form, whether single or married. Don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have. For you always have God's presence. For hasn't he promised I'll never leave you? Never. And I will not loosen my grip on your life. So we can say with great confidence, I know the Lord is for me and I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. Don't forget the example of your spiritual leaders who have spoken God's messages to you. Take a close close look at how their lives ended and then follow their walk of faith. Jesus, the anointed one, is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings, religious traditions, and new truths. Because that's where the church gets off. Because again, Paul in 1 Tim Ch- Timothy there and, and the, the author of Hebrews, they're writing to believers. So they're saying there's there's old traditions that they're gonna try to call you back into to follow, and then there's new truths that they're gonna say, hey, this isn't quite enough. This isn't enough, so I'm gonna add stuff to it. Uh, the the church doesn't work, so we're gonna we're gonna form a new church. Uh, the the Bible's not enough, so I'm gonna have a new revelation. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit gifts aren't enough as we read them in Scripture, so I'm going to tell you what, what more is needed. There's, there's old religious stuff, they call you to, and then there's new religious stuff. And Paul is saying here, or the author is saying here, don't get stuck in, in, in those novel and exotic teachings. If it, you know, The word exotic means, oh, it sounds really cool. That sounds cool, you know? And he's saying, no, don't get caught up in that. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough and his gospel is intact. And then he finishes by saying, it's more beautiful to feast on grace and be inwardly strengthened than to be obsessed with dietary rules which in themselves have no lasting benefit. So whatever was going on in the early church, food and the control of people for what they ate, you see it all throughout the scriptures of the New Testament. People struggled with you shouldn't and this is what you should do. So there's constantly some author talking about, man, somebody's trying to control somebody with new truths about food. Um, I, I, you know, uh, we have our own struggles today in, in our culture around us. You know, oh, well, this is more relevant or that is more relevant. Oh, we, we need, to, we need to, 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 be, to be this for them or, or that for them because it's just, you know, that's not enough. And, and so we have to go back to Scripture, which is why we are gospel-centered. This shows us the way. And then we're Jesus-focused because this is all about Jesus. And we don't need to make up new stuff or, or try to redefine old stuff. We just, we just follow the good stuff. That's what we do. So what the author in Hebrews there is, is saying is, is the same thing that they're getting in 1 in Timothy. And if we're real about choosing to follow Jesus and, and be a part of his created church life, we have to admit that that this new life in Jesus ruins us for what's ordinary. Like, I'm not the same anymore. If I am truly transformed from death to life, from selfishness to to following Jesus, from being a consumer of everything to being a a generous giver of my life, if I'm really changed, then then the ordinary life around me, I don't fit in there. Not that they're lesser than me, but I'm not going to look for a way to, to fit. I'm not going to try to keep up with the Joneses or, or, or see what pop culture is telling me to do or, or like Michael talked about last week you know, about being on the edge of, of some kind of trendiness. I don't need that to find relevance and significance. My significance is... I am blood bought and I am eternal because I follow Jesus who created life and then made a way where there was no way and now I have eternity. Now, if that's not enough for me, i got some problems. I just do. If I'm like, yeah, that's good and all, but, like, but what about that pocket of people and what they think about me? If that drives me, then I am off and I need people pouring into my life and speaking into my life. I need to be called to live an extraordinary life because of Christ and in Christ. This world needs you and I to understand where it's stuck, where it's lost, and then meet them where they are and then give them the truth. That's what they need. And, and if I give them the truth and then they're like, well, you don't sound or look different from me at all. Is that really true? I'm like, yeah, but I'm just trying to, you know, be like you. It's like, well, you say to be like Jesus. So the the world gets confused. Let's give the world in its lostness and its confusion one way, one truth, one life named Jesus. That's what we need to do. And and it's hard sometimes. I mean, you're going to stand out and not always feel comfortable about it. You're going to struggle with, yeah, but, and not always be really good, good, good with it because, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, we look at, we talked about a few weeks ago, Jeremiah 29. They were captors in a land they were exiled to, and God said, pray for that leadership that they may be prosperous. And it's like, what? You know, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they They said, no, we're not going to do these things. We're not going to eat this food. Again, food. We're not going to do these traditions. We're not going to bow down to this. I'm not going to stop praying. And they said, yeah, but but all of us need to do it so we don't die. And they're like, if I die, I die. But I'm going to follow God. They had to choose an extraordinary life instead of the ordinary that said, just morph into us. And it'll all be good. Look at Joseph. I mean, he... He paid the price for having integrity. Look at Noah, scorned and mocked and reviled for spending 200 years building an ark on dry land when it didn't rain. I can't imagine what that's like, because you can't even say, yeah, it's going to rain. They're like, that's like saying, it's going to, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, I don't know what that word is, because it didn't rain. And yet he stayed the course, and we're all benefits of Noah's faithfulness. We're all benefit, benefactors of his faithfulness because he stayed the course and only eight of them lived. Still wish he would have done that to the mosquitoes, but that's on me. That's my choice. But these are stories and there's tons of other stories in, in the gospel, in the Old Testament and the New about, about men and women who, who chose to live true to God amidst the pressure that, that they fall in line with the false that this world offers. But not only did they leave legacies that mattered, they brought glory to God in the midst of it. If we identify with Jesus, we won't identify with this world around us. We won't won't identify with and and buy into those who maybe rule this culture, because this is not our home. We are travelers here. Once saved and following Jesus, we're travelers here and we're on mission. We're left here as a mission. It's like for those of you who've been in the military and, and, and you serve a country uh, like the United States and you go over to maybe free a country or keep a country safe. That's not your home country. You're there on a mission for a period of time to do the best good you can do for the sake of people that you don't even know so they would be safe and protected. You're on mission there. And one day you will come home To the United States, well, we're on mission here for the most good to be done so that people could be saved and heaven could be populated, but our home is in heaven. And so we have to realize this isn't about me making my way here. It's about me finding people who don't know Jesus and telling them about Jesus. That's why I'm saved and left here, to be on mission. It's the great commission that we live out by the great commandment. We go because we love God and we love people. And that's why Paul hits it again, starting in in verse 11, what matters most. And he says, get the word out. Teach all these things and don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Now he's talking specifically to Timothy because he's young. He says, teach believers with your life by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. Stay at your post reading scripture, giving counsel and teaching. And this is how we know and become like Jesus. This is what Paul's telling us here. He's saying we read the Bible together like we're doing right now, like you do in in real life groups and Bible studies in your home. We do community, real life together to to encourage and learn from one another. That's the counsel he's talking about. You get counsel by being in, in in a group. a a small caring community together you grow by learning together that's what Paul's saying it's about togetherness of the believers right here so I want to show you this this video clip here uh happens to be about uh the leaders of my real life group but I want you to to hear the story of of John and Lauren Barclay uh as they tell about what it means to be in smaller caring communities so watch the screens here if you would for a moment
2: Hi, we're the Barclays and this is our real life group. Having grown up in Burnett and then moving back about six years ago, uh, we had family going to Hill Country Fellowship and so that drew us into the church, but through going to the church and then joining a real life group, we really found our family in the body of believers at Hill Country Fellowship.
0: We were going to a real life group that had gotten extremely big and um, we were not interested in leaving at the time but the Holy Spirit (laughs) had told us that uh, we needed to reach out and offer that to um, more people because the personal connection was lacking the bigger the group got Um, and so it was really important to us to pour into people one-on-one.
2: While leading a real life group we've experienced some amazing things and that really has come from the participation in the group of, uh, of people that we have there.
0: We decided to take it away from a traditional curriculum or study and we've really focused on prayer and connection and we've seen so many relationships grow and people's prayer life um, really expand and gotten deeper relationships within the group through that.
2: Whether you're from Burnett and you've lived here your entire life or you're brand new to the area, there's something that each person can find in a real life group and it's been an incredible experience uh, participating in one and now leading a small group. It's been, it's been incredible and I think every person will be able to draw their own unique experiences and really have that community uh, to really rally around them and support them. These people
0: have become my closest friends and people that I trust with everything. I think it's important for everyone to find the community that a real life group provides. The people that you can lean on for support um, and prayer and be honest with what's going on in your life and accountability, I think that that is something that every Christian, every person in this church should have.
1: Now, I'm, I'm a little biased towards our real life group because that's where my family finds its smaller caring community. Um, but more than anything, I, I'm biased towards small caring communities as a whole. Uh, that's what you need to be a part of. No matter how big or small a church is, you've got to find that place where where there's a pocket of people you can be vulnerable with like they, they were sharing, be, be real with, be accountable with, and... Um, you know, I, I was just thinking about this morning, I was greeting certain people coming in the door and, and texting some people. Um, this past few weeks, we've had an, a, a large amount of people uh, near and dear to us that have, that have found themselves very very ill or very sick or they're struggling in some relationship stuff. Um, and and I want to pray in just a moment for, for, for those. Uh, but I want to encourage you in this, in my real life group on Sundays, because we meet on Sundays, um... What I see is people bringing their, rea- their real life and saying, this is what I'm struggling through. And then a group of 10, 15, 20 of us, depending on how many are there that day, rally around that person and we pray for them. And, and, and that's, that's a life in Jesus for, for Jesus followers to be accountable and to be vulnerable and, and to be cared for. Um, but right now I want to do something that we actually get to do in our group and most groups do this most real-life groups, uh, just so you can not, not only see and, and feel what it's like, but, but understand the power that's there. We're going to do it as a church uh, today. Um, but I know some of you, you have loved ones that are in the hospital. Some of you, you're struggling in some, some really severe relationship struggles right now. And we want to, we want to pray for those who are, who are in the hospital. We want to pray for those who are, who are struggling. Um, uh, pray for those uh, loved ones who aren't in the hospital but are, but are dealing with this, the mess there. And so if if you have a near and dear one in your life that is hospitalized or severely sick, I'm going to ask you to, to stand right where you are. Maybe someone you're related to or maybe just be someone that you love and you're standing the gap for. I don't know, um, you know, if uh, the, the if the torrents are in here, but maybe you could stand for Tanisha uh, right now. But if you would stand right now, and then if you're struggling in any kind of relationship uh, at all, and it seems like a severe broken thing, it might be marriage, it might be home, it might be friendship. Stand, and let's, let's pray for and contend for the God who does miracles to do a miracle. For the God who heals to heal, for the God who restores to restore, for the God who reconciles to reconcile. He beat death by taking on the sins of mankind. He can come through for you. So we're going to pray for you right now and, uh, or pray for that, that one that you're standing in the gap for. And, and, and I would just say this. I don't know if they're able to be listening, but uh, Lonnie and Tanisha, man, we're praying for you. We're contending for your health. We're contending for you. We're believing for amazing things to happen in your life um, and for God to, to do a miracle and come through. But I just felt like God wanted us to pray and just show what a small caring community is like so that maybe you can go from this and be like, that's how I'm going to live out my life in following Jesus. Father, I, I know that there are so many different different issues, health and relationship and, and uh, emotional stuff uh, being lifted up right now, being represented right now. And in every single person, be it a, a newborn baby that's being stood in the gap for because the baby's in NICU or someone struggling because of COVID, or someone struggling because of cancer, or there's a relational break, I pray that you would come through, that you would heal, and they would be healed, that you would restore, and it would be stronger than ever, that, you, that they would be reconciled, and it would be a, a glorifying uh, testimony of yours, that that you would come through and move in a way that we cannot fabricate on our own, we cannot make happen in any way on our own, that only the God of heaven, the God of creation, the redeeming God, the one who, who beat sin and death like a drum without even trying, that only that God could come through. And I pray that you would show yourself mighty, that as our friend uh, Dave Denny always said, that you'd show up and you'd show off in their lives, that, that people would not only see your move, but, but have to ask a question of how did this happen? And I pray that you'd bring comfort and peace in the midst of the journey. Would you bring comfort and peace through your Holy Spirit, through your Father heart, through you as our loving brother, Jesus, but also through the the, the lives of, of other Christ followers who are in our life, that you would bring comfort and peace, grace, truth, and hope through them. And would you just do a miracle today? In your name we pray, amen. So I highly encourage you to, to find that real life group, that Bible study where you can, you can be real in. I'm gonna read the last part of 1 Timothy 4. Paul writes this starting in, uh, in verse 14. He says, and that special gift of ministry you were given by the Holy Spirit when the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed for you, keep that dusted off and in use, Timothy. Don't get lazy, You need to just keep on living out what you've been called to do. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. See, Paul instructs us to minister daily, to to give away that which God has, has planted in you, has, has, has made you with, give that away daily. He's specifically talking to Timothy here, but it's a principle that we, we live out. He says, put yourself in a place to grow. Real life communities, Bible studies, serving other people. He says, let people see you following Jesus and not have to wonder who that is. Be real, Paul says, be vulnerable Paul says be transparent. Paul says don't hide out, don't play, don't play life close to the chest. Be real with people. Our goal today in this in looking at the false and being aware of it and then living out the true is to ask ourselves these questions. Are you growing and maturing in your holiness and becoming like Jesus? Holiness sounds like so so far of a word to try to attain to it. It really means I just become more like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I put myself in a place to do that. I'm not going to become more like Jesus if I live for Scott and I don't have anything to do with with church community and the gospel. But if I put myself there, that's when I become holier and holier. Not because of anything in me, but because of the Spirit of the living God growing me. So are you growing and maturing by putting yourself in a place to grow and mature or... Does the culture and, and pressure around you lead your life? Both the religious culture and the worldly culture, does that lead you? Or are you putting, your pla- putting yourself in a place where a gospel culture will lead you? In Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, Paul gives us the outcome of, of what a believer's life looks like. And we're gonna end with this, and then we're gonna sing with a couple of songs of worship. And he says this, it's a famous passage, the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of you can recite all nine of them or six of the nine or I don't remember which version I read that in, but, but just listen. Paul's telling us that the, the fruit of the Spirit grows from us and it nourishes others. I never eat the fruit that grows from my life. A tree never needs its own fruit. A tree needs roots to grow deep in rich soil and be watered. And then the fruit is for others. I heard a pastor one time say, you're, a, you're an orchard, not a fruit stand. You continue to grow and produce. You're not the one where they just, they can't, you, you don't even have anything to do with it except for taking money. You're, you're producing fruit for other people. And Paul says this about the fruit of the Spirit. Love. That's a broad word. It's a big word. And it's broad because love is huge. It means a lot of different things. But it's always gospel-defined love. It's what the Bible says about love, not what the world says about love. Joy that overflows. Patience that endures and hopes for. Kindness that shows itself in some way, in something. Goodness in you that always comes out of you for the benefit of others. That's what we serve people. Faith that overcomes. Self-control that looks at others with compassionate understanding, just like Jesus did. A gentle heart for those who maybe they're prickly. Paul says, these are limitless and can just keep coming time after time after time, and there are no rules against those. I'm going to ask you to stand right now, and then as we go to this time of prayer, one of the things that I was... I was, I was reading that list this week, the list of the nine fruits, and I'm like, Lord, I can see those, that number doing pretty good in me, and I can see that number being kind of dried up and not so tasty. And he's like, that's, that's most of my followers. They're doing good in some ways, and, 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 and it's not growing as much in others. And he said, Scott, all nine fruit are meant to be grown off of you. You don't get one and then they're fine with it. So you do what you need to do, Scott, so that that fruit grows, grows healthily and is, is vibrant and is, is overflowing. It's so heavy that it just hangs down on the tree. And so my, my request of us is to go, Lord, what, what am I missing? Not to be negative, to go, Lord, thank you for for making me good, uh, have a good heart, and be uh, you know, and, and be loving towards people. But help me to have this this fruit growing more in my life, and this fruit growing my life, being real, so that we can ask the Holy Spirit to change us, because we don't want to leave here the same we came here. We want to leave here and go. You know what? This is how I'm going to act out, so that my faith is overcoming, so that so that my in my, the, the goodness in my heart is, is shown to people. This is how God has changed me more into his image. So, so during this time, maybe you need to come up here and just be real with Jesus during this first song when we sing about the king of my heart. And, and maybe uh, you just need to just stand there and go, show me what I'm lacking and then give me a, a, a desire to pray for it. Whatever it is to become more like Jesus so we can stay the course and, and, and run the race well do that today. God, we, we thank you for showing us the way, for, for teaching us truth and, and warning us about the false. We thank you for making it understandable and obvious and not making us uh, try to figure things out uh, in, in a way that, that is just so far reaching from our minds. But, but you just tell us, this is what it is and this is how you live it. And this is where I get the most glory from your life. So, so right now, I just pray that we take those nine fruits from five, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and we say, Lord, what is it you wanna grow from me in a way that, that I've maybe never grown before or, or that, that uh, maybe has dwindled and, and withered in my life? Help me to become like that so that the most amount of people can be properly nourished with the gospel life coming from me. So we lay our lives before you. We're real and vulnerable before you. We want to be transparent with you and then become more like you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.